Well, we've come to the halfway point in our series on, in the book of Colossians, Paul's letter to the Colossians. As with many of Paul's writings, we see that the Apostle will take the first part of his letters and he'll address some theological issues. And then the second half of the book will be more practical in nature, addressing practical concerns within the Christian life. And this is exactly what Paul does with the letter to the Colossians. What we've seen is in the first two chapters, the Apostle is focused on the preeminence and the, and the supremacy and sufficiency of Christ in contrast to this group of false teachers that were causing the church of Colossae to get their focus off of Christ. These false teachers were proclaiming a fake gospel, telling people that, that only through religious rule-keeping could they enjoy the fullness of God. So as we concluded last week's message, we see that Paul told the Colossians that the biggest problem that these self-made um, religion posed was that it had no value against fleshly indulgence. No value against fleshly indulgence. You see, these false teachers were saying that by not handling, not tasting, and not touching certain things, a person could be holy and clean before God. But the problem is, is that there's no material cure for the spiritually ill. There's no physical remedies that can heal a sick soul. Only Christ can do that. The only remedy for sinful passions and fleshly indulgence is Christ. So Paul will take the next section to turn the Colossians' attention back to Christ as they seek to overcome fleshly indulgence. In this next section, Paul will explain that the source of sanctification is not religious rules and regulations, but rather the source of sanctification is our union together with Christ. Now, Paul identifies in this section three ways a believer overcomes these fleshly indulgence. Remember, he said that these, these teachings of these false teachers have no value. So now he wants to teach what does have value. First, Paul will tell us that we need to seek for the resurrection power of Christ. We need to consider ourselves dead to sin. And we need to seek spiritual renewal for the, our, the new man. So today's text is Colossians chapter 3, verses 1 through 17. Hear now the word of God. Therefore, if you have been raised up with Christ, keep seeking the things above where Christ is, seated at the right hand of God. Set your mind on the things above, not on the things that are on earth. For you have died, and your life is hidden with Christ in God. When Christ, who is our life, is revealed, then you will also be revealed with him in glory. Therefore, consider the members of your earthly body as dead to immorality, impurity, passion, evil desire, and greed, which amounts to idolatry. For it is because of these things that the wrath of God will come upon the sons of disobedience. And in them you also once walked, when you were living in them. But now you also 
put aside, put aside all anger, wrath, malice, slander, and abusive speech from your mouth. Do not lie to one another since you lay aside the old self with its evil practices and have put on the new self who is being renewed in the knowledge according to the image of the one who created him. A renewal that it has is there is no distinction between Jew and Greek, circumcised and uncircumcised, barbarian, Cephian, slave and free man. But Christ is all and in all. So as to those who have been chosen of God, holy and beloved, put on a heart of compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness, patience, forbearing with one another and forgiving each other, whoever has a complaint against anyone, just as the Lord forgave you. So also you should. Beyond all these things, put on love, which is the perfect bond of unity. Let the peace of Christ rule your heart, to which indeed you were called into one body, and be thankful. Let the word of Christ richly dwell within you, with all wisdom, teaching, and admonition, admonishing one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing with thankfulness in your hearts to the Lord. Whatever you do in word or deed, do it all in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to him, to God the Father. Let's pray. Lord God, we pray that you would bless your word. Lord, we pray, Lord, that you would minister your word to our hearts. Lord, teach us how to overcome fleshly indulgence. We ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Now, before we get into today's text, I want to make sure that everyone understands what is referred to as fleshly indulgence. As I mentioned, Paul uses this term in the last verse of chapter 2 when he states that the doctrine that these false teachers and Colossians were teaching, that it had no value against fleshly indulgence. Now, fleshly indulgence is basically what the Bible calls the work of the flesh. Fleshly indulgence were those sinful passions that we followed before we came to Christ. Now, Paul gives a good list of, in his letter to the Galatians about these fleshly indulgence when he writes, Now, the deeds of the flesh are evident, which are immorality, impurity, sensuality, idolatry, sorcery, enmity, strife, jealousy, outbursts of anger, disputes, dissensions, factions, envying, drunkenness, carousing, and things like these. I always love when the apostle makes these lists and then he concludes the list in saying, and things like these. Basically, he's saying, you, you get the drift, right? You, you understand what I'm talking about. So the idea is that before Christ captured our hearts, we walked according to the course of this world and were by nature children of disobedience. Before the transforming act of God's grace through Christ, we were powerless against fleshly indulgence. Now, we weren't as bad as what we could have been, but the fact is every part of our lives were infected by sin. But God saved us, amen? And he made us alive together with Christ. By grace, we have been saved. But as believers saved by grace, we still struggle with fleshly tendencies. 
Even though we've been placed into Christ, we still are tempted to indulge in fleshly practices, fleshly indulgences. Paul has condemned the teachings of that religious rule keeping as the way to fight against these attacks. And now he's going to explain how believers are to overcome fleshly indulgence through Christ. He begins in chapter 3, Therefore, if you have been raised up with Christ, keep seeking the things above where Christ is, seated at the right hand of God. Set your mind on the things above, not on the things that are on earth. For you have died and your life is hidden with Christ in God. When Christ, who is our life, is revealed, then you will be revealed with him in glory. Here we see in this section, Paul is saying, you want to overcome fleshly indulgence? You want to have some sort of defense against these attacks that come upon you, these temptations that come upon you? The first thing he's doing here is teaching us that we should seek the resurrection power of Christ in our lives. Seek the resurrection power of Christ in our lives. He begins, therefore, if you've been raised up with Christ, this is the starting point. To overcome the flesh, which is to understand and to embrace our new position in Christ. We have been raised up with Christ. You want to overcome fleshly indulgence? Understand your new position. We are no longer children of wrath, but we are the children of God. Amen? We have received a spirit of adoption as sons and daughters for which we cry out, Abba, Father, to to God the Father. Daddy, Daddy, help us. And our Father hears the cries of His children. Why? Because we're His kids. We belong to Him. He is our Father. So I ask you, if earthly parents will sacrifice their own lives to rescue their children from danger... How much more do you think your heavenly Father will come to your rescue and it will deliver you from the danger of fleshly indulgence? By God's grace through Christ, we have been raised up with Christ. And the Bible tells us that we've been seated with Christ in the heavenly places. And in this new position, we are blessed with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus. So Paul continues to tell the Colossians to keep seeking things above where Christ is seated at the right hand of God. Now here Paul is not saying, you want to overcome fleshly indulgence? Well, just have a a vision of the throne room of God. That's not what he's talking about. What he's saying is that you want to overcome fleshly indulgence? Then seek the resurrection of Christ. Christ has been raised. Christ has ascended. Christ has been coronated as as the King of kings and Lord of lords in heaven, what you should be doing is seeking the power of the resurrected Christ when you come under attack. We see that this has to be embraced. Often we consider the resurrection, ascension, and coronation of Christ as just a biblical historical event. And we don't understand or embrace the spiritual impact that Christ's resurrection, ascension, and coronation as the King of Kings should have in our lives. That's what Paul's trying to teach here. 
This oversight to just look at these things as a historical biblical event, what causes believers to often forfeit the strongest defense we have against fleshly indulgence. This oversight causes many believers to think that the source of their sanctification is in themselves. They begin to think that the source of their sanctification is through self-determination. And this could be no further from the truth. You don't have the means to overcome fleshly indulgence in and of yourself. I don't care how determined you are. (laughs) You don't have it. It's a gift that God gives you through Christ. Let me just try to share this with you. That when, when, after his resurrection, Jesus gathered his disciples together and he says, All authority has been given to me in heaven and on earth. And all means all. Christ has authority over all things. Christ has authority over the fleshly indulgence that you are being tempted to indulge in right now. Christ has that authority. So if you believe that Christ has the authority to forgive you of your sins, but then you say, well, but he doesn't have the authority to overcome my fleshly indulgence. Well, you're just all messed up. Christ has the authority to forgive us of our sins And Christ has the authority because he is the resurrected Christ sitting on high. All authority has been given to him. And he has the power to equip you to overcome fleshly indulgence. Paul says in this text that our our life is hidden with Christ. What that means is that all the benefits of the exalted Christ are yours. He goes on, if you have been raised up in Christ, then by God's grace, you have received all the benefits of Christ's resurrection, his ascension, his coronation as the King of kings and Lord of lords. So what did Christ, what is a benefit, what did Christ do through his resurrection and his ascension to the right hand of God? Well, we see that he overcame the power of sin and death. He gave a freedom from the bondage of corruption, and it gives a glorious hope that there is eternal life because he's sitting in heaven. And all these benefits are yours in Christ to overcome the sin and death in our lives, to give us a freedom from this decay, and to give us a glorious hope for eternal life. Therefore, the benefactors of Christ's resurrection, Paul says, should be, keep, should be seeking the things above where Christ is seated at the right hand of God. Christ is seated at the right hand of God in heavenly places. And the Bible says it's far above all rule, all authority, all power, all dominion. Not only in this age, in the age to come. So that means as Christ is sitting on the right hand of the Father, he's far above any fleshly indulgence that might be, you might be tempted with in your life. Therefore, Paul's saying, wouldn't it make sense to seek the things to set our minds on, the things that are above where Christ is, instead of things on earth, some sort of religious rules and regulations? If Christ is the one that has all power and authority and dominion, shouldn't we be seeking the power of the resurrection of Christ in our lives? That's his point. 
Brothers and sisters, the weapons of our warfare against fleshly indulgence are found in Christ. And the Bible says that they are divinely powerful to destroy any stronghold in, in us. We see the attack comes and the resurrection of Christ can destroy it. I'm going to stop from the notes here just for a second. because I just really want you to make sure you guys have to understand this. I believe that oftentimes Christians look at their obedience to Christ as a duty. Instead of looking at their obedience to Christ as an act of worship. That's what Paul's saying here. Seek sanctification. Seek the power to overcome fleshly indulgence. Not because of a duty. But do it as an act of worship. That you want to glorify the, the risen Christ. And you want the power of the risen Christ being manifest in you. Don't do it as an act of duty. Because that's no better than these false teachers. Do it as an act of worship. You know, we're taught that Christ has defeated all of his and our enemies. That means there is not one thing, no fleshly thought, no lust, no, no anger, no, no addiction. There's not one thing that Christ hasn't defeated for us. He has defeated all of his and our enemies. So if he is the one, if he is the victorious warrior, if the victory is in Christ then why would I submit to some duty? Why wouldn't I go and worship this resurrected Christ and ask him to flood my life with his power and with his, his grace to overcome these things, these things that seem to haunt me every day? Are you all with me here? And then lastly, let me just say this. Well, lastly, in this part. All right. <laughs> Our church fathers taught us that sanctification is the, is the dying more and more to sin and the living more and more into righteousness. And I totally agree with that. But what I'm suggesting to you is your sanctification should be dying more and more to self and worshiping Christ more and more in your life. If you really want to experience the Holy Spirit's power, then seek the resurrection Christ. That's what Paul is telling us. And this word seek is more than just a mere discovery. Oh, look what I found. It's a word that talks about seeking to obtain. Seeking to obtain. So the idea is that you are attacked. You're, you're being attacked by a fleshly indulgence. So you're going to seek the power of the resurrected Christ in your life. You're going to seek Christ's dominion, his authority in your life. You're going to seek God to work his, his power in you. And so what do you do? You cry out to the Lord. Lord, help me because I'm really, I'm really getting angry right now. Lord, help me because I'm really having lustful thoughts right now. Whatever the case may be. And after you pray that prayer, maybe you'll have like 10 minutes of success. And then you're attacked again. Has this ever happened to you all? And then you're attacked again by the same temptation or the same thing. And what do you have to do? You have to cry out to him again. And then what happens? Well, maybe you'll last for 10 hours this time. 
And, 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 but then it'll come back again. These things are like a haunting ghost that keep on coming back, coming back, coming back. And what we have to do is we have to destroy these speculations, destroy these things by the power of Christ. My Christ is an exalted Christ. Therefore, he can destroy my enemies. Amen? So Paul's saying, seek the things above where Christ is and seek it to obtain. Seek the things above where Christ is. Seek to obtain the full power of the resurrected Christ to overcome your fleshly indulgence. Brothers and sisters, God would not call us to, to, to seek the resurrection power of Christ if it wasn't obtainable. God doesn't cheat. He doesn't fool. The resurrection power of Christ is obtainable for you. As Paul says in Romans, we need to know him and the power of his resurrection. And we're not talking about resurrection when we all go to heaven. We right now need to know him and the power of his resurrection that overcomes sin and death and corruption in my life. We must be found in him. Not having a righteousness of our own drawing by the law, but a righteousness that is through faith in Christ. We have been hidden with Christ. Therefore, it's no longer I who lives, but Christ who lives in me. Amen. Therefore, the resurrection power of Christ is obtainable to us to defeat sin in our lives. Therefore, we sing for joy over the victory that we have in Christ. While some may boast in chariots and some in horses, we will boast in the name that is above every name, the name of Jesus Christ. And we should know that for certain, when Christ appears one day, Christ who is our life, we also will be revealed with him. Now Paul moves on to the second way that we overcome these fleshly indulgence in our lives as we consider ourselves dead to sin. First of all, we seek the resurrection power of Christ, and then we consider ourselves dead to sin. Paul goes on, because you have been raised up with Christ. He tells the Colossians to consider themselves dead to sin. We see, he says, therefore consider the members of your earthly body as dead. Now, I've officiated a lot of funeral services. And I've never seen the corpse do one thing. The corpse just lays there. Doesn't do one thing. Why is that? Hello? Because it's dead. And that's what Paul's saying here. When it comes to sin... Consider yourself dead. Paul reminds the Colossians of the spiritual reality in this portion of the text that our old self was crucified with Christ and because of that our body of sin was done away with so that we are no longer slaves to sin. Brothers and sisters, in Christ we should consider ourselves dead to sin. And therefore, no longer present our bodies as instruments of unrighteousness. Now, in this text, Paul gives two lists of things we used to walk in, things we used to live in before Christ. Things that we have laid aside. The first list is in, chapter, in, in verse 5, 
where Paul makes the list immorality. I'm talking about immorality, impurity, passion, evil desires, and greed, which amounts to idolatry. The second list is given in verses 8 and 9, which is anger, wrath, malice, slander, abusive speech from your mouth, and lying to one another. Now, I don't think I need to exegete any of those things. When the, when the apostle talks about anger and slander, you, you guys understand what that is, right? I mean, do I really need to get, get, do a word search and let you know what anger is? When the apostle talks about evil desires or passion or greed, do I, do, do I really need to exegete that? Do I really need to tell you? Are you all familiar enough with those things that you know what, what he's talking about? What you might not notice, though, is the first list recounts sins that we committed in ourselves. What the Bible calls sins of iniquity, such as sexual immorality, impurity, lust, evil desires, and greed. These are the sins we commit inwardly, iniquities. The second list characterizes those sins which we commit against our neighbor, what the Bible calls sins of transgression, such as anger, wrath, slander, abusive speech, and lying. These are the sins we commit outwardly. But the good thing is, is both the sins of iniquity and the sins of transgressions, even though we all, permitted, we all participated in them before we lived, now because we are in Christ, we consider ourselves dead to those things. When God made us alive in Christ, he forgave us of all of our transgressions and he took away our guilt by nailing those sins to the cross. And there's no reason you need to get a claw hammer and, and pull the nail out from the cross. Christ nailed them to the cross. Now, therefore, you are dead to sin. Brothers and sisters, to overcome fleshly indulgence, we must acknowledge that because of God's grace through Christ, we have laid aside our old self and its evil practices. Because we are dead to sin, we are now under no obligation to live according to the flesh, so to obey its lust. Those who belong to Christ have crucified the flesh along with its passions and desires. Our old self is dead and has no power and no influence upon the actions of our lives. We are to consider ourselves dead to sin and alive to Jesus Christ. So Paul's saying, listen, when you're tempted to, to be angry, when you're tempted to commit a sin of iniquity, when it's, it's on you like a, like a hound dog, Seek the power of the resurrected Christ to overcome that. And consider yourself dead. You don't have to do it. It has no power and no influence in your life. Consider yourself dead to sin. Paul continues, though, and says, And have put on the new self who is being renewed in the true knowledge according to the image of the one who created him. A renewal which has no distinction between Jew or Greek, circumcised or uncircumcised, barbarian or or Scythian, uh, slave and free man. But Christ is all and in all. Paul is telling the truth about how to overcome fleshly indulgence. 
First, seek the resurrection power of Christ. Second, consider yourself dead to sin. And third, seek spiritual renewal for your new self. Because God, because of God's grace, we've laid aside the old self with its evil practices and we put on the new self in Christ. And the spiritual transformation was an act of God's grace in your life. God came into your life and he transformed you from the old man to the new man in Christ. Amen. But this new man has to be nurtured and cared for. This new man has to grow and develop. Spiritual renewal is much like a plant that seeks to grow more and more for the glory of God. So that's what Paul is saying. Just seek the resurrection power of Christ. Consider yourself dead to sin and grow. Seek God to renew you day by day to grow and to, so in, in your faith in Christ. Paul tells the, the Colossians that this new self, well, it's a progressively developing entity that must be cared for. And it's cared for by the renewing of the true knowledge according to the image of the one who created him. What does that mean? What it means that even though our outer man is decaying day by day and none of us can do anything to stop it. Amen. 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 Our new man is being renewed day by day. That's the reason why when you see a senior saint. When you see a person that has been doing what we're talking about here this morning for 10 and 20 and 30 and 40 and 50 years, they might be a swiveled up old man, but inside they're a lion for God because they've experienced the resurrection power of Christ. They've considered themselves dead to sin and they sought for spiritual renewal every day as they fought against fleshly indulgence in their life. As believers, we seek for the new self to be constantly renewed with a definite goal in mind. And that is, as Paul says here, to grow according to the image of the one who created him. So the idea is that our new man is being renewed day by day to become conformed more and more into the image of God's son, the Lord Jesus Christ and true knowledge and holiness. So this is what we're seeking. And notice that this renewal has no barriers. There's no racial or religious distinctions because it's for Jews and Greeks. There's no cultural distinctions because it's for the barbarian and Scythians. There's no social distinctions because it's for the slaves and the free man. It's for all who are in Christ because Christ is all and in all. Amen. This renewal, Paul is saying, is for those who have been chosen of God and holy and beloved by God. This spiritual renewal is not an experience in some spiritual vacuum where nobody can see it. No, it's seen in our relations to one another and within our daily lives. And this is what Paul shows us next in the text. 
You see, the spiritual renewal is not a one-time experience, but rather it's an ongoing progressive experience where I put on a heart of compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness, patience, forbearing one another, and forgiving each other. So what I'm doing here is when I'm being assaulted by a fleshly indulgence to act according to the flesh, I say, no, Lord, come into my life and renew me, renew my new, my new man and cause me, Lord, to put on compassion and kindness and humility. This is what Paul's saying. Seek Christ. This renewal of the new man occur, occurs when we put on love, which is the perfect bond of unity. This spiritual renewal is experienced when we let the peace of Christ rule our hearts. When we let the word of Christ dwell richly in us, with all wisdom and teaching, admonishing one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing and making melody in the Lord. Paul's saying, do those things. You see, the spiritual renewal, it occurs when whatever we do in word or deed, we do it all in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks through him to the Father. Amen? And let me just say that this spiritual renewal, you being renewed day by day, growing more and more, being conformed more and more into the image of Christ, well, this is not some sort of pipe dream. This is not some sort of vague possibility. This is the spiritual reality for those who are in Christ. This is the spiritual reality for those who are in Christ that want to overcome fleshly indulgence. Well, brothers and sisters, let's not submit ourselves to elementary principles of this world to overcome fleshly indulgence. We've been raised up with Christ. Therefore, let us seek the resurrection power of Christ. Amen? We have laid aside the old man with all its evil practices. Therefore, let us consider ourselves dead to sin. By God's grace, we have put on the new self. Therefore, let us seek spiritual renewal day by day as we seek for the glory of God in word and in deed. Amen? Let us be a people that have been distinguished as those who overcome fleshly indulgence through Christ and through Christ alone. Let's pray. Oh, Lord God, we come to you today thanking you for the work of Jesus Christ, for his life, death, resurrection, ascension, and exaltation to the right hand of God. Lord Jesus, thank you for doing all things to please the Father. And thank you, Lord, that by your grace I can be saved. So, Lord, I ask you to come into my life, forgive me of my sins, Claim me as a child of God. And as your child, Lord, I come to you, admitting the fact that we, that I am often attacked by fleshly indulgence. Lord, I ask you to minister to me. Lord, show me the power of the resurrection. 
Lord, help me to understand that I'm actually dead to sin. I've put off the old man. And Lord, by your spirit and through your grace, Lord, ask you to renew me day by day to overcome the fleshly tendencies in my life. Lord, work in us. In Christ's name we pray. Amen.